You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. Go Wild is a free social community created for and by hunters. This means that unlike mainstream social media, your trophy pictures won't be censored. They're encouraged. As you spend time on Go Wild, you will earn awesome rewards such as gift cards, free swag, and big discounts on brands like Garmin and Vortex. You will even earn $10 just for signing up. Visit DownloadGoWild.com and sign up today. Ladies and gentlemen, children of all ages, welcome to a much happier and positive episode of the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast. The last time you heard me talk on, on, the, on the podcast here, I was at the lowest of the lows, right? I had just uh, high-shouldered a buck, lost blood, couldn't find him. The good news is, after I slipped out of a, a deep, dark hole of mental despair, I got trail camera pictures of this buck including one i believe it was last night coming through one of the, the pinch points that he he came into and so he disappeared there for a while i got one picture of him the day after or two days after i shot him going through the same pinch and then this morning early like late last night early this morning i got another one of him coming through the same pinch and so uh he was alive and that's good. That made me feel a little bit better about myself. After that uh, debacle of uh, buck fever that I, I guess, I mean, that's straight up what it was. It was buck fever. After that debacle, um, I came home. I, I chilled with the family, you know, participated in some, you know, in wrestling and, and dance and, and things like that. And then said, you know, got back on the horse man headed back out to the farm and that's what we're going to talk about today is a little bit of big buck redemption and for those of you guys following all along on youtube i'm going to show him off real quick so i really don't measure i don't ever measure my deer right the only measurement i take is uh the inside spread just just for reference right and this buck is right at 21 inches inside spread and uh, he's a great deer. He's got some character coming off of the bases here. He's got a, um, off his right side, his right side is better than his left side. His right side is, oh, he's got like a, a point coming off his main beam, almost like a mini, mini main beam. He's got a little eye guard here coming off of the bottom of his brow. And so that is, this is what this buck looks like. I think for taxidermy purposes, I'm going to go full sneak, I think right now, full sneak, right turn, right about like that. Maybe maybe like that, so you can see all the times. So that's where, that's what I think I'm going to do with him as far as taxidermy is concerned. I'm still riding high, dude. I'm riding high. I'm like, I'm just, I'm very happy. I'm, I'm extremely happy, and it, it's just funny how this this uh activity that we do lot some of us are 
more invested than others, I would say. And that's not, that's not a jab on people who are less invested, but when you are like myself and I'm, I know that there's a lot of guys out there who, who feel the same way because they have reached out to me and they are like, dude, I, I went through exactly what you went through this year. Uh, I understand what you're going through. I can relate. And it's good to get those people, uh, messaging me and they're just like, dude, it's, it's, you know, I get it. I, I understand why you're so, you know, the way you are, why, why you felt so down, but at the opposite end of that. And that's what we're going to talk about today is the pure joy that comes from accomplishing a goal or succeeding with whatever our passion is you know, our, our passion is, and mine just happens to be bow hunting. And so whenever, whenever you're on the opposite side of that, it, the, the, the really lowest lows make the highest highs feel so much better. And I don't know if I just walked into the, the uh, that property and arrowed a buck right away without struggling a little bit, um, would have made it feel so good but it feels damn good. Like, trust me, I, I, I was riding a kind of a low year last year when I gut shot my buck, uh, I found him, but it was after the coyotes got to him. And so that's unfortunate. But what I will say is that coming out of that, dude, I shot my bow so much this past year until I hurt my shoulder. And then I had to, you know, tone down the amount that I shoot just because my shoulder would start to flare up. And so I, I was shooting the bare minimum leading into the season, unfortunately, right? I wasn't just repping it out like I, I usually do in, in October and November. And so it was just like four or five shots at a time. Uh, and then I would come inside for a couple hours, then shoot four or five more shots. Right. And then I'd make, you know, maybe make some minor adjustments, but I was, I was coming out of that last year with the low because I had no new meat in the freezer, right? And now I got meat. And that's, that's part of this whole thing, right? You know, I would say that if you were to define me, I, I, I would label myself as a mature whitetail hunter. You know, I, I like to go after in, in Iowa. Now, my, my, my whole scale changes when I go out of state, right? New area, new goals, um, new expectations for myself. But in Iowa, I have a little bit more control over the environment. I'm more familiar with the terrain and the deer herd, how they move, when they move, things like that. And so that allows me to be more picky in the caliber of deer that I'm chasing. And, and fortunately, I, I live in Iowa and I'm a product of my environment where I, I can definitely uh, hold off for certain caliber of bucks and and that's what i did this year again so um and i think that's like eight years in a row now uh, i've tagged out and it feels good man to ride a, a streak like that uh, because there was a time and and uh, I'll, i'm going to get into detail after we do the commercial break but there was a time this year where i thought it was over i thought like i had my opportunity you don't get a lot of opportunities at big bucks, man. At, at big mature whitetails, you just don't. You don't get, you don't get a lot of them because they are they are very intelligent 
in their own environment. And so I, I thought it was over and then boom, like that, everything changed. So I do have to, I do want to take an opportunity here. And this, this commercial segment's going to go a little bit longer than it normally does. But the reason I want to, this is basically a thank you to the, the companies that support this podcast and support the the Nine Finger Chronicles and the Sportsman's Empire as a whole because that's how I make my money. That's how I'm able to do follow this dream and this plan that I've set up and make all of this work, right? I took, I, I want to say close to three weeks, not full, th- uh, not a full 15 days, but three weeks, one full week going out West. And then I uh, came back home for like two days. Then I started hunting in Iowa for four or five days. I think it was five days. Uh, yeah, five days. And then I came, I came back and hunted again on, when did I hunt? I'm trying to shot my buck. Oh, I went to a family gathering, shot my buck on the evening of the 6th, couldn't recover him, and then came home for three days and then went back again. And so we, I I just was gone periodically. And so when you're gone periodically, it might as well be just, for me, my experience is you might as well just be gone for the whole period of time. Because really what you're doing is you're coming in, applying your routine into the family, and then you leave, and then there's chaos again. And so it's almost better to just let it go and and just go and grind it out. But uh, I took some time off. I know it was appreciated. So some of the first thank yous that I really have to uh, thank for this success of mine is my wife and she has she has her own way of supporting me um she watches the kids man and my kids are crazy and they're full of full of energy and they are 100 percent uh a handful at times. And so when I leave to go do these things, that means my wife is handling that all by herself and it's, it's frustrating for her. And so huge shout out to my wife for, I guess, still being with me. Um, thank you for, uh, handling that task and allowing me to not only follow my dream, but do work, right? I mean, this is my job now. And so huge shout out to her for, uh, taking time, you know, not, not complaining as much uh, as previous years, so I hope she doesn't watch this. Anyway, um, thank you to my wife. I want to say thank you to my kids. They're 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 also kind of like an inspiration for me because my kids are excited in what I do. Like, Daddy, where's your deer? Where's your buck? Can I see him? Can I see pictures? Dad, show me trail camera pictures. Hey, Dad, when can I go hunting? When can I go hunting? And so I'm really excited. Uh, like I feel like that next chapter in my life is really getting close where I'm going to be able, my kids are going to be old enough to shoot a weapon properly for me to get in there, show them the ropes. And then eventually just like what every, I feel like every dad would want is I, I want to make a hunting buddy with my kids, but I also want to, to be able to drop them off in a tree stand someday and let them take care of themselves, right? Okay, here's here. Go to this pinch right here. Okay, Dad, I know where it's at. Like, 
I'll go in and and like the ultimate goal is to get a phone call from them someday. And I want I want to be my kids first phone call. And really that's that's all it is. Hey, hey dad. I got him. I got him, dad. You know how awesome that would be to be the first phone call that you get from your kids who who are doing the passion, your passion, and it becomes their passion. I and I know it 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 may not happen with all of them, but that dude, that would be so cool if it did. So my kids, man, they're they're kind of an inspiration. Um and then um like all of you who are listening to this and every single person dude when i hit that buck i had so much positive energy come my way and when i couldn't find him dude i i had so you know we we on this podcast we preach good vibes right good vibes in good vibes out stay positive uh you know um portray positive energy and it it, it will it will snowball and really that's what i accomplished this to right so to everybody who sent me good vibes man uh thank you very much i really appreciate that and that's why i continue to send good vibes out to all of you so uh man good vibes in good vibes out right we i I don't like i can't express how important positive energy is and uh it 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 played a big role in what i did and how i finished out the year this year and how i it took it didn't take me too long I knew that buck was alive. I hit him high. Uh, and then, you know, I ate my shit sandwich and then I got back on my horse. And some, the reason I did that is because I got so much positive energy coming my way. It was easy for me to re- rebound. Um, and then obviously the people who, who, who helped pay for my, for my life. Right. I mean, the, the sponsors of this podcast and, and of the network. And so like, I'll just run through it, man. I spent a lot of time in a saddle this year. And dude, those things are are very comfortable. I did mix in a couple tree stand hunts, but I always, instead of a safety harness this year, I always wore my saddle. And so I had the opportunity to stand up in a tree. And if, uh, even if I was in a saddle, like uh, the night I shot my buck, I was in a tree stand, but I was hanging, I was hanging from a saddle when I shot him. And so, uh, just straight up loved the, uh, like love the guys at tethered a, a huge community that they've created of guys who are just like what, how I hunt, uh, who are very passionate about it, the, the, their whole crew. And then all the people who buy their products and follow them, like they're no slouches, dude. Like they're grinders just like me. And I love that about tethered and i love that about that company so if you're if if you are thinking about getting a saddle and i'm going to do a huge review uh on my thoughts as a saddle hunter this year and and i'm going to share that probably in another episode but huge shout out to tethered man so go uh, check out tetherednation.com and and, uh, check out all their saddle saddle hunting accessories and their educational platform to make you a better uh, better saddle hunter next on the list is wasp now i believe it's going to be next week is going to be wasp week where i'm going to try it's either going to be that week or the week after where i'm going to have a whole bunch of people who are involved with uh, wasp and their organization and have them on 
the podcast and dedicate an entire week to Wasp. Why? Because they are also a company that participates in deer hunting and hunting it, bow hunting in general. And there's, there's companies out there that don't do that. They're, they are just in the hunting space, but they do not participate in hunting. And it's hard for me to relate to those people because at that point, they're, they're only about making a profit. Now, I know there's like all companies want to make a profit, but at least the people within the, these organizations like WASP are participating in the, in the activity of bow hunting. They can relate to your problems. They know, like from an engineering and design standpoint, that, hey, we need this to happen in order for us to kill a deer with our products. People who are not participants in that, they don't understand that. And they may go back to a designer or something who, who is like, well, uh, I designed it flawlessly. It should be like this. But bow hunters specifically will find problems with gear and we will, uh, like, I'm all about communicating with the companies that I, that I, uh, I buy their products from or that I work with. And I always express, Hey dude, it would, that's, this is great, but it would be cool if it did this, or you may need to tweak this or things like that. Like that's what bow hunters do, man. We're gear nuts. And, and, uh, and so I like it when people participate in the activity and the people at WASP definitely participate. Uh, on top of that, it's, it's a very trustworthy broadhead. I say that because I'm always confident in it. Now, this buck that I hit and the broadhead did its job. It went through, it caused a ton of damage. It made the deer bleed, but it wasn't in the vitals. And so I, it, that was, that's on me. If you put a shitty shot on a deer, I don't care what, what broadhead you have, right? If you put a shot in the meat, no vitals, yeah, you're probably not going to find that deer, right? But it's when you connect, right? And, and last year's marginal shot on my buck was, dude, I, I found that buck because wasp made so much damage. It did so much damage to the deer. This year, double lung shot, dude, that wasp absolutely destroyed his lungs. And I mean, it looked like, obviously, you can see where the broadhead went through the body, but he was dead, you know, on these on these perfect shots. He was dead within ten, under 10 seconds. I watched him go bounce, bounce, bounce. He started doing the wide leg dance, the flicker, and then he went, I could, I, I didn't see him fall, but he went behind a bush and then I heard the crash under 10 seconds. And so like absolutely a tough broadhead, absolutely a well-designed broadhead. And that was a jackhammer, a three blade jackhammer. If you're a fl- fixed blade, they have fixed blade options as well. So go to wasparchery.com, uh, use the discount code NFC20 and that's going to be able to um, get you 20% off of any heads that you decide to buy. Next on the list is is Vortex Optics. And Vortex, again, is, how do I put this? It's the pinnacle. It's the top, right, of, of, brand, of a brand, in my opinion. These guys at Vortex really have it figured out because they don't, they're not trying to be some kind of elitist brand. Right, they're not trying to be like, 
I don't know. You, you know what I'm talking about, right? Some type of untouchable product, right? They are a product of, hey, if you are hardcore at what you do, if you want to really use your equipment, use it hard, you need to get Vortex, right? Not only do they have the glass, the crystal clear views, the low light options, the uh, the durability, but if you do mess it up, you do break it, they have the VIP warranty. And so from a financial standpoint, it's like you buy one pair of binoculars or spotting scope your entire life. And if there's a problem with it, you send it back to them and they will fix it for free and then send it back to you at no charge. And so that's badass. That warranty is is badass. But aside from that, it is the people... I've, I've had the, the pleasure of visiting Vortex, uh, their, their headquarters, several times. And you want to talk about a positive group of people, right? People who are, at least all the people that I've met, every, everybody in the customer service department that I've met, everybody um, in the marketing department that I've met, and even a couple people outside of the marketing department. In, in other in other areas of vortex, all positive people, all participants in hunting in the outdoors in some way, shape, or form. And that reflects on their brand and that reflects on their their product. And uh man, I absolutely love working with Vortex and and those people and again participants. You know, you, you hear me, they're participants in the activity that they're selling binoculars to and that, that they're branding to. So a uh, huge shout out to, to Vortex Optics. So go visit vortexoptics.com for binos, rangefinders, spotting scopes, rifle scopes, things like that. Uh, Code Blue Sense, okay? Again, another company that people are very involved in the outdoors from this, from this company. So I had the opportunity to go and check my trail cameras uh, over the last week, I pulled some cards. One of the cards was right in front of a rope-a-dope scrape kit that I had set up in a tree. And when I tell you every single deer hit that rope-a-dope, just, just from a curiosity standpoint, maybe didn't lay a scrape, but came over to investigate it, is absolutely amazing to me. And I, I regret not doing mock scrapes and orbital, uh, pre-orbital gland sense earlier. From now on, mark my words, I will put out a rope-a-dope system in every pinch point that I have uh, on any property. I will buy that many of them, put that gel on it, hang it from a tree, and put a trail camera right in front of it. That is going to be one of the best inventory takers of deer that come through that property every time. And so I'm really looking forward to, to just continuing to expand that portion of, um, of hunting and almost use it as kind of like a, a, an attractant or a food plot. So when deer come through this said area, they are going to, they're going to come to investigate the mock scrape or the, the, the rope-a-dope and, Game over, dude. And so uh, 
these guys are these guys are a first working this is the first year i've worked with them very happy with the company very happy with uh the people that i've had to work with again they're they're serious uh, in in what they do and uh, i love that about them and so um Go visit CodeBlueSense.com. Take a look at the Rope-A-Dope kit. That's my favorite. They have real and synthetic deer urines. They have uh, scent elimination products and then like your deodorants and and your laundry detergents and uh, your body soaps and things like that. So I do have a discount code uh, that is NFC20 and that's going to get you 20% off. Go, Go do that go do that. I, I want more people to send me pictures of mock scra- bucks on mock scrapes uh, next year or remainder of this year. I want, I want to see those. I love that. I absolutely love that. Uh, next on the list is a, another brand new company, and that is the Woodman's Pal. And this thing came in handy quite a bit this season so far. Uh, I don't know how safe it is for children, but I handed it to my boy and he went on a hacking mission for me. I said, I said, Mac, here is, here is where I'm going to hang my trail camera. I pointed it in that direction. I hung it up. I said, all of these weeds and branches and sticks have to be chopped down. Can you do that? And of course he's like machete. Yes. (laughs) So, so I gave it to him and he started hacking. Uh, it's a durable piece of equipment. I will say that. I beat the shit out of it. I, I was hacking down. I was almost using it as an axe at times to, you know, two or three inch branches or, you know, sticks that big, three or four chops to get it broken down and hacked out. Um, it's a made in America product. It is durable. It is, it's been around since 1940 and it's just an awesome habitat tool that you guys uh, should keep in your truck or in your pack, whether you're, you know, setting up trail cameras, setting up tree stands. It's just, it's a good thing to have with you in order to hack it up, make some lanes, clear some space, whether that's grass or sticks. So go visit woodmanspal.com. And then last but not least, Huntworth. I will, I'm going to say this, and I, I talked about this, uh, was it yesterday? I was on the uh, Whitetail Habitat Solutions podcast. And they, we talked about late season gear or cold weather gear. And so obviously in, on the Hunting Gear podcast, we talk about, we've, we have talked about the elite brands uh, of camo and, and hunting clothing. And we all know who the, those are. But I think Huntworth really does fly under the radar still. They're, so I've, I've worn it for an entire season now. And they have what I'm going to say is outside of the elite brands, they have the best layering options for all types of hunting situations and scenarios. When I mean the cold of the north and the steamy hot of the south and everything in between. Right. And so their base layers are very comfortable. Uh, I would put those base layers, they're, they're a synthetic, but I would put them up against any base layer on the market. Uh, very well designed, water wicking. They, there was a couple times where I got to the stand, it was so hot this year, uh, I was sweating my balls off. And that, that dried me up real quick. Right. Their insulation layers uh, are, are very, you know, um, like a vest or um, a jacket or things like that. And I really do think 
that these guys offer one of the best systems, the highest quality system at the most uh, affordable price. You've heard guys talk about Huntworth being 85, 90% of what the elite brands are, but for way less of, of the cost. And I will tell you this, that their heat boost stuff works and works really well. Uh, the, there was a couple mornings where, so in the mornings I would wear my heavyweight heat boost stuff. And then at night I would, or in the evening hunts, I would switch to the lighter weight stuff. Uh, the Durham, the one pant that really stood out for me was the Durham pant. That thing is legit. Those things are comfortable. They're durable. I love the, the, the extra material that they have in the knee. Uh, and again, the people who work there participate in hunting. Right. And so it's not just some people saying, Hey, I want to hunt, sell hunting clothing. They listen to their, they listen to the people who use their products. They make design uh, changes uh, and implement new designs from the feedback that they get from the people that use their products. And that's, that's awesome. The participation level that they have their end users in. And so uh, it just makes for a better product. So go to, go to huntworthgear.com, uh, what was I going to say? Brain fart. Check out everything that they have, right? It's affordable. It's very high quality. And uh, I, I I love working with that company. So uh, go check out Huntworth. And then last but not least is the company that I own, right? It's um, Full Sneak Gear. I'm wearing it, the, the shirt right here. There's going to be, let's see, I think we have one, two, th- one, two, three, four different t-shirts available. I just got done with a badass. Like it's going to be here within this week. Hopefully I can get a mock-up and it's going to be up on the, the website of the n- latest Full Sneak uh, t-shirt and then also i got a, a sweatshirt coming that thing a crew neck sweatshirt that thing's going to be badass uh the nine finger chronicles hat that i'm wearing right now that thing's badass uh, we got a stocking cap up and running that thing's badass so go go check out uh a full sneak it's on shopify right now it's nothing fancy but uh, that's where i'm um, i'm selling all my stuff so uh, it's going to make a perfect uh, christmas gift for someone who's uh, you know, a hardcore whitetail hunter or just hunter in general. So fullsneakgear.com. All right. And, and so first off, thank you for, for taking time to let me talk to the people who talk about the people who make this, you know, from a financial standpoint, right? I need money. These people are paying me so I can pay my house off, you know, so I can pay my mortgage so I can, you know, have groceries and, and everything that you need in life. Right. So, uh, that's how I make my money. And so thank you for listening to that. Now, next, let's talk about the important shit. I, I came off of that last, of that last, uh, podcast. I was, I was feeling better about myself. Okay. I was still kind of low, but I was feeling better about myself. I was feeling like, not necessarily anxious to get back into the woods, but I wasn't like spiraling out of control like I was the first couple days of missing that buck. And so I came home, shot my bow, felt good. You know, I, I tweaked, I tweaked my, my sights a little bit and really just wanted to focus on my release. 
I wanted to focus. I was, I felt like I rushed my shot. I feel like I had buck fever, obviously real bad. And so I wanted to make sure that the next time I had an opportunity, if given the chance that I want, I wanted to make sure that that did not happen again. I wanted to be crystal clear. I wanted to go into terminator mode and I wanted to, I wanted to shoot the deer and then get excited. And ultimately that's what happened. But let's break down this farm. Okay. Because I think this is where it gets really important. Standing corn on two sides of this, of this property. And after talking with some farmers, it was crazy. Cause they're, uh, I was like, why is all this corn still in? It's been dry. Right. I mean, as far as rain is concerned, but I don't think the corn itself has at its moisture level. Cause it, um, from my understanding, they'll pick corn based off of a moisture level. Well, they'll do samples and they'll say, well, it's only, it's like 20%, 6%. It needs to be down lower or I don't, something like that. And so in order for them to pick it, it has to be a certain moisture level. And so that's why it was insulate because it didn't reach that moisture level. And so the deer were really bedding in this chunk of timber right on the edge of it coming out into the pasture, crossing the pasture to go to the standing corn or working their way south through a series of like corner crossings through this property um, down to where I parked my truck and access. So there was a couple, couple deer there. And so, and so I went back after my little break, I went back into the same routine that I was in, right? There was one, there's two stands that are high opportunity stands, in my opinion, on this. I have really good access routes to them. And um, the, one, the one by the pond where I shot my buck last year, it, it pays off, man. It, like, I can get deer. And I, I always like to test my theories, right? So I can get deer coming into 40 yards. But if before they enter into this pinch, I can throw one grunt at them they will then come into like a 25 yard, right? So they'll, they'll loop in to investigate, but then ultimately they come back out. But what that does is it puts them right in front of me so that instead of a 40 yard shot, I'll have a 25 yard shot, a 30 yard shot, some, somewhere like that. Last year I shot my bucket, like I want to say 19 yards. Okay. And so, and so that, that spot is great. But what happened was, is I saw when I got back, combines parked, uh, semis parked, grain carts parked in in the field. So I knew the crops were going to be coming out. And I knew that when that happened, I needed to be in the timber because there was a couple fingers that the deer would kick back out in. And then also that night, they started combining in a, in the morning. Uh, I want to say like at 9, 10 o'clock. So when they started, I saw a couple deer skirt out and then they ran back into the timber that I I have permission to hunt. What also made this this day real enticing was the fact that I had a wind switch. Okay? So let's see. I shot my buck on Tuesday. Let me pull up a calendar. I shot my buck on Tuesday the 13th or excuse me, Monday, Monday, the 13th of November. And 
there was a north wind. On uh, there was a uh, a south wind on the Sunday of the twelfth. So I sat down on the north side, and it's this this stand is real tricky. And I I talked about this on the other podcasts leading up to this season. I talked about uh, it on all my Instagram stories that I did. But you would think on a south wind, it would just blow right into this neighboring property. There's not really anything blocking it. There's a couple trees. But what what happens is we get this north-south airflow where thermals are fighting the predominant wind direction. So when the wind is blowing and blowing steady, my scent goes out into this field. But when there's a break in that, that constant blow... The thermals are pulling everything in. And so when there's sun on me and the tree stand, my thermals go up and it's really not an issue. But there's a time in the night where I become, I'm, I'm now fully in shadows. And when that moment hits, my thermals drift down into this crick crossing. And sometimes they float a little further. But when the predominant wind is gusting, it will shift out towards the field. And then as that breaks, that thermal, there's a, still a thermal draw that pulls down into this creek, but fades kind of into the timber just a little bit. And so it's a risky stand location because uh, I had that, that evening of the 12th, I, I had a straight up standoff with three does. I had my Ozonics running. Uh, there was very little wind. I mean, it was, a very, it was just a very subtle wind. And it was going north, and this was a west wind on on the map. And so I thought, hey, dude, I've never hunted this stand on a west wind. It's going to blow right into this open pasture. Nope. It was coming straight out of the south, and then it was coming out of the, the west again. or out of the, So it would teeter-totter, north-south, north-south, which is good, okay? Uh, actually, north-south-west, and which is good because all of the action – comes from the west of me and even to the northwest and so i got away with that stand that night nothing blew i didn't rattle i didn't call uh, or at anything uh, on november the evening of november 5th i saw t- i had two shooters in there one was an absolute giant a five by four he was a giant nine <sighs> he was bigger than he was he had a bigger frame than the deer that I wounded or that that I shot and never found, and he's still alive. But he came out of this little finger that's heavy CRP, tall grass, uh, shag trees, and I, I bet you he just beds right up in there, and his life is great because he can smell everything and see everything, except when he gets up and he walks into this timber, I'm right in line with him. So if he comes further to the north of me, he could bust me, but they always pop right into the timber right there and making it for a potential shot. I had him at 30 yards, but he was behind a maple tree that still had its leaves on. And so nothing showed up that night. The next morning, which was the 13th, I saw that they were going to start to combine. So I wanted to get in that pall or that pond wall stand again and basically just see what happens when because it's 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 in a good pinch, but it's also a, a really good observation stand. I can see half the farm, uh, trees block the other half, but 
when they start to combine, you, they just all flood back into the timber, right? And so I saw a couple of deer. I didn't see them all. Maybe this, that had something to do with it. Maybe it didn't. But I knew that the wind was shifting from north to straight east that night. And so luckily, the previous, um, the previous week before I hit the first buck, I went in and I said, dude, I don't have an east wind stand. I need an, uh, a, an east southeast wind stand. And I went and set one up right in the middle of the day, left my truck running and went in there, bumped a couple of deer walking in. But I knew that this location where I had this particular uh, tree stand, it was, was going to be money if the wind did what I needed it to do and the thermals didn't pull my scent down at all. It needed to go with the wind and drop down into and eventually go into a field. And so, so I got, I had to wait. Um, the, the wind started to shift from North to Northeast. And so what I did was I knew that tree stand was up at nine o'clock. I got out of the tree and I ended up going back to the truck, going back to the hotel I, I I said to myself, I don't want to go, get in there too early because I want to make sure that the wind is in my favor before I get into that tree stand. Because I, what I don't want is it floating into a finger, uh, one of these fingers that I'm going to be hunting. And so I went back to the hotel, took a nap, relaxed, ate my lunch. And then I uh, right at about one o'clock is when I left and got ready. And I was in the tree stand by 158. I was completely set up because I remember looking at my phone, 158. Now, the thing about this particular stand is it was still in this line of access where I had two, uh, one, two, three other stands. They're all within this specific pinch point that's on the exterior. And so I said to myself, they're going to be combining. I got an east wind. Let's get into the timber, something that I tried to avoid doing on this property because I've mentioned in the past that this property is so small that any intrusion kicks them all off the property, right? And so that's why it took some time to recover after I was grid searching uh, the property for that, that other buck. And so it started to rebound. I was getting some pictures of a couple other deer on the property and... Um, east wind and so my access route on this east wind was wind to my back blowing into the timber and so I did that because I knew that once I got into the stand I was able to get up in the in the stand and the wind would then ultimately be in my favor so the sacrifice was wind blowing in and potentially maybe kicking something up. But once I got into the stand, then I was locked, I, sh- I was hoping to be locked tight. And so let's talk about why I chose this location of this stand. All right. So it's in a, it's in a pinch, right? We have to, to the West, I'm going to, to the North is the entire timber strip of this property, right? I'm on the South side of this timber strip. On the, on the south side, there is a creek that runs along a CRP, a dry creek bed that runs along a CRP slash edge field. And then 
if you follow, if you go to the southwest, there's a finger that wraps out of the property and then comes back and touches a, a different property. And so my theory was there's a deer in this finger, there's deer in this CRP field. And with this east wind, my east wind will be going west and the deer coming out of this finger uh, to the southwest will have the wind in their favor the whole time. They're going to think that it's safe because my scent is blowing out into this field. Well, ultimately, when I get in there, it's less east and more southeast, which is even better yet. Uh, like all everything was blowing down into this pinch. And it was it's basically we're a finger, an edge and a crick crossing and crp and just like everything came down into the lowest point in this property and i was just off that and to the east of me was my access route but it was also where the crick took a huge like it's where two cricks met and it eroded a bank it eroded a bank of this crick so it's steep and when I say steep, it's not like 20, 30 foot tall, but the deer aren't dropping down into this 10 foot ditch. They're skirting it on the outside, again, putting deer within shooting range of me. And so all these things came together in this location and I needed an east wind and I got an east or an east wind, which ultimately my wind was blowing south or uh, was going northwest, which means coming out of the southeast. Okay. And here's another very important part of this story. I feel anyway, I feel that access routes are extremely important. That is the thing that I think about the most when choosing a hunting location on my access routes. I don't want to say that it's a product. It's a product that changed the game per se, but I walked, I spray liberally. Like I'm, I'm talking coat my pants, bottom part of my pants and my, my feet with nose jammer. And so I sprayed down, I even sprayed on my like bino case and on my hat, walk into the timber, didn't bust any deer that, that night, get set up, bow, hang the bow, hang the thing. I'm in an Osage orange tree. It's a little tippy. Right. It, I mean, the wind would hit it and I could feel it move and things like that. This entire property is black locusts and Osage orange trees. So it's an old cattle pasture that's been overgrown for 20 years, let's say. And it's just, it just is thick and nasty, multiflower rows. It's basically a habitat specialist's nightmare uh, scenario. Like all these, all these species that nobody wants in, in the property. And so we got that now with that said, um, everything, everything was looking good. I was feeling good. Um, the, the, the nose jammer I feel plays, a, a store, a, a part in this. And really what happens is I, I get into the tree and I'm just chilling. right? I'm just relaxing. Time goes by one fifty eight, completely set up. You know, I'm, I'm checking my emails. I'm, 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 I have my saddle on, but I'm in a tree stand and I'm leaning way back in it. And this tree kind of leans back and I've just all like, dude, I haven't been comfortable all week in a tree stand, right? I'm, Cause I'm always trying to put myself in the right possible spot. 
And sometimes that means having a knot in your back, like a, a big knot of the tree in your back or a crooked tree stand, which you may have to stand up in or um, putting yourself in a saddle where you may have something poking in your back or like a like you, you can't do enough trimming on, on some of these Osage orange trees and black locust trees. They're just sticks and shit all over. But anyway, I like... I liked having the the tree stand there to sit and relax. But then I also like when my ass would get just like numb, I'd stand up and I'd hang off the hang off the tree in the saddle. Okay, so I'm I'm up there in the tree, and here's the cool part: is for the first time this entire rut, I stopped thinking about deer hunting. I stopped thinking about. What's what are the deer going to do tonight? I hope I see a buck. And I my mind started drifting to the upcoming weekend, which is this upcoming weekend. We got wrestling tournaments. We got um, we're going to an Iowa wrestling meet. We're going to be we're going to be going to uh, see family and friends and and have just a really good you know a really good fun weekend. And I was thinking about that. And you, you know, like sometimes you're sitting in a tree and you zone out. You're just completely out of it. My phone was in my pocket. I was just staring. The wind was hitting me perfectly. I mean, it was like I was getting ready to fall asleep almost, right? You're just, you're zoned out. I wasn't necessarily tired, but I was just staring off into nothing, right? Enjoying the moment of being out in nature. And, and like an alarm clock or like a, you know, like a shotgun going off in your front yard in the middle of the night, this squirrel started going crazy. And then I heard it just run up a tree and I look over and this, you know, going, he's going crazy. He's barking at something. And I'm like, uh, it's probably a coyote or a bobcat or something walking through the CRP. And I look over and I see a tine binos up instantly. What is that? I can't see. Is that a buck? Yeah, I don't know. Because all I could see was the what it would be the left the 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 first two points his of his left side, uh, the the main the tip of the main beam and the G four. And I'm like, ah, eh, I don't know. I can't see like he, but he's moving at a good pace. And the second that this buck popped out of the CRP, went through the first you know like the first twenty feet of timber edge is always thick with bushes and stuff that absorb the most sunlight and they grow and it creates like the, a wall of vegetation. Once he got through that into the timber, like getting ready to cross the creek, he turned his head and he was wide and he was, he was a shooter instantly. I go shooter, boom, shooter. And so he's not stopping. He's on a mission. He's drops down the creek he walk, he's walking up now, up out of the creek, up into the terrain where I where I said that there's that embankment that the deer, they stay above it and I get I get closer. Uh, it, like I'm in between that or I'm in that bankment. He's getting ready to walk between that embankment and me. And he's walking at like 35 yards. And he goes behind a tree uh like branches. I can still see him, but he's behind branches. So there's no shot yet. I have to wait maybe 10 or 15 more yards. It's going to put, I already ranged it. It's at 35, 35 yards. And he hits my ground scent. 
He hits the nose jammer, the liberal amount that I spray on myself. And his nose instantly goes to the ground, but he does not freak out. He's not freaking out. He's just like, and then he stops and he starts to follow it a little bit. So now he's heading right towards me and, but he's still behind all these tree branches. So he's, he's closed maybe to about 30 yards now, just very meticulously sniffing and taking some steps and I'm ready. I got my bow in my hand. I got my grunt tube down just in case he goes opposite again and I can grunt him kind of back in. And But he doesn't. He peels off of the off of my access route and he starts quartering towards me very, very, very slightly. He gets behind a tree and that gives me the opportunity to draw back. He steps out of the tree and I'm getting set up, nose on the string, you know, getting the eye lined up, sight lined up. But he's behind a little branch. He takes two more steps and he stops. And he's he's sniffing the ground. Arrow released. And, And that whole moment, from the moment that he stepped out of that that CRP field into that ditch and I said he's a shooter, the first thing that popped into my head was my own inner inner voice going, Johnson, do not fuck this one up. I, I, I repeated that to myself several times. I, was, I said, dude, you can't fuck this up. Don't fuck this up. This may be your last opportunity, dude. And from that point on, like I said, Terminator mode, focused, clear, not like my, my heart rate was elevated, but it wasn't like, like out of control, deep breaths, deep breaths, pull back anchor. And for, I don't want to say it's the first time, but it, for me, it doesn't really happen like this very often where I had a moment of clarity right before I pulled the trigger on my thumb release and squeezed it. There was a moment there where the sight, the pins were right where they were supposed to be. He was at 25 yards. I was able to range the bush that he was getting ready to walk in at 26 yards. And he walked right in front of it. I I put the 20 pin, I, I gap shot. So I put right where this arrow hit the 20 pin, a little high, the 30 pin, a little low, right behind the shoulder this buck stopped perfectly in there let the arrow go and there's that moment there's this one moment it's very short but when you see the arrow leave and you don't know what what's going to happen it's 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 a millisecond of time i felt like that period of time from the time my arrow left my bow to the time that it actually impacted the deer took forever. Like it's like my entire life slowed down and I just watched this arrow go right into, into nature. And then it's like, you know, you see those those action movies where things slow way down and then all of a sudden, wham, reality hits and they're back. It's like, it's usually like in a, a World War II movie where they're storming the beach in Normandy and everything shuts off. The, the sound shuts off, right? Everything slows way down 
And then another guy comes up and shakes him. He's like, hey, come on, let's go. And it just goes, then it just goes back to the normal speed of life. That bow, and I remember watching in slow motion, almost, the arrow hit the deer, the fletchings disappear right through his lungs, right behind his shoulder. I'd say about four inches behind his shoulder, right out the backside. I couldn't, at the end of it, I couldn't find my arrow. I must have buried it into some multiflower rose bush because I looked for it for about 10, 15 minutes and I couldn't find it. And so it went through him and then the buck, it sounded like someone punching like meat, like that's what it sounded like. Saw the fletchings disappear. And as quickly as I knew I put a bad shot on my last buck, the opposite thing happened this time. Dead deer. In in my head, dead. Over, done. I've shot en- enough deer in my life to know that this deer is not going to survive this shot. And he will not make it far because I absolutely just smoked him. I smoked him. And, and, and that's when I see him walk over. I'm starting to get the tingles. He's doing the old, he's doing the penguin walk, right? He's doing the wide leg walk. His tail's going crazy, right? For all of us who have killed a deer before, whether you hit him in the liver or guts or in the vitals somewhere, their back tail just goes, their, their tail just goes crazy. Flicker, flicker. You know that? That's the sign of a lot of pain. That's the sign of end of life, right? Something is going to, this deer's probably going to die. And so it, it bound, bound, bound. And then it stops. Leg, back legs get wide. Front legs get wide. And his legs, and there's a moment there where I'm like, dude, like, he's going to walk away. And he didn't walk away. tail flickers one more time and he does the old sideways step into this in behind a big Osage orange tree it went quiet for about one second and then I heard the crash and I knew it was over and at that point all of the previous week all of the entire season all of the last season shenanigans with me having to get a dog and gut shooting this deer, it all came to to that moment right there. And I had a flood of emotions that are, that I would say are pure happiness, right? Like, Like I said in one of my Instagram posts, ever since I've had kids, right, I've become more in touch, I guess, if you want to say it, more in touch with my emotions. When I, like there's days where I'm at the bus stop and I'm watching my, my boy, like comes up to me, my youngest boy is six. And he's like, daddy, I love you. Fuck, That makes a dude want to cry almost. You know what I mean? And so like, I'm that person now. My, like when I'm, when I, when I, when I see my daughter bring home her grades and she, dude, she's so smart. She's smarter than me. I get emotional about that shit. W- watching my family succeed. I'm emotional. Like even, even crazy shit, like your favorite football team or 
You, no, no. Here, here's here's one that always gets me. Here's one that's always always gets me. Whenever a little kid who maybe can't hear or can't see gets those glasses or gets those hearing aids and they get to they get to hear for the first time or they get to see for the first time, that shit tears me up for some reason. Or when a little kid is at a, a assembly, a school assembly, and their dad comes back from war and surprises them. And they run to him and they embrace. That's the shit I'm talking about. And so I had this absolute flood of emotion hit me. And it was pure and raw. And it was happiness at at its rawest form. Something that I get from, from family, from just watching my kids, right? Just pure happiness. And I just broke down, man. I broke down. I honestly, I grabbed my phone because I wanted everybody to see how real this moment was for me. And that I like part of sharing my story is for it's very important for me to be as real as possible, to be as um, relatable as possible, because I feel that's important. I I feel like. In a lot of other stories, like people are ashamed when they miss deer or people are ashamed that they don't shoot as big of bucks as other people, right? That that stigma needs to go bye-bye. It's not about that. I don't think, I don't think it's about that. And so I just sat there in, in this moment where every possible thing went right. And it, from a strategy standpoint, from a scouting standpoint, from a understanding deer behavior standpoint, like when to shoot, when not to shoot, when when to grunt, when not to grunt, when to rattle, when not to rattle, that kind of stuff. And then, because at the first deer, I did everything right, except I, I just didn't execute the shot like I probably should have, or like I should have. I, I know I didn't. But this time, everything did go right. And it was at a moment when I least expected it. And this is, this is a, this is a true message is you gotta be out there. If you want to be successful, you gotta be out there. And that's not just like a hunting thing. That's like a life thing, man. If you want to get better at your job, you got to do it more. If you want to be better father, you got to be a father more. If you want to be a better husband, you got to be a a husband more. You got to do more. And then everything seems to go right when you are in, you're in whatever activity it is more, right? And so you got, if, if you were struggling this year, but you only hunted three or four days, you got to do it more, right? That's, that's how you, that's how you get better. You got to do it more. Now I know that's easy for me to say, right? I don't have a factory job. I don't work 40, 50 hours a week for somebody else. I'm able to do this, right? So it's very easy for me to say, I understand I've been in your shoes. I've been in the factory jobs. I've been in the nine to five world, right? And so I get it, man. And so when, when everything goes right, man, I just had this flood, flood of emotions and I started making the phone calls, man. Right. And so I called, who did I call first? I can't even remember. I think I called my, I think I called my wife, 
but she didn't answer. So I called my daughter because I knew she's already out of school. This, this shot went down at about 3.30 because when I picked up my phone to share that moment on Instagram, it said 3.33, somewhere right around there. And so I wanted, to, I wanted people to see that, that emotion. And, and then after that, after I shared that, I called my daughter. I called my wife. She didn't answer. I called my daughter. And I'm just like, I got it. I got him. I shot, I shot a buck. He's down. And Ava was like, you're kidding me. You did it. That's awesome. Like she was excited for me. And then I heard my wife in the background. My wife or my daughter goes, dad shot a buck. And my wife's like, is it down? Because that's a big thing for her. Like she's not a huge fan of the reality of hunting, which is sometimes deer get shot and don't die or deer get shot. They die, but they don't get found. Right. That That's, that's not acceptable for, for her in this world, I guess. It, you know, it's my job to teach her that that's what happens, but she's an animal lover. I mean, she doesn't like to see animals get hurt and wounded. I don't like to see it either, but it's a, it's something you have to accept if you're going to, going to be a hunter, whether it's a gun or a bow or a crossbow or whatever it is that you do an atlatl, <laughs> you gotta be, you gotta be, you have to accept that. So anyway, she was jacked that I, that I knew this buck was dead. And I shared that moment with them, text some buddies, called some friends, and then I knew he was down. So I wanted to, I wanted to get some pictures of him right away because the light was going to be going down. And, uh, and so I took some pictures, took some videos. Uh, I've shared some of those already. I ended up, um, uh, what did I do? I packed up and then I, I drug him to the field edge, which was about 80 yards, maybe, maybe somewhere between 180 yards. I, I ended up dragging him, didn't want to gut him yet, drag him into this uh, pasture. And then I took my e-bike and then I went back to my truck. I called uh, my buddy old Skip Sly over there and uh, he he's, uh, runs the Iowa Whitetails uh, Instagram page and he's a part of that organization. And he came and he took some pictures for me. He helped me load the deer in the truck and uh, congratulated me. So first off, I, you know, I, or first off, I, I want to say thanks to Skip for taking time out of his day. Hopefully you connect on that giant that you're chasing. And, uh, and, and, and so at that point it's over, right? I mean, it's not over because I, I get to sit and daydream about the late season now, but it's good to be back home the tides have turned I'm, I'm riding this high and i really do hope that all of you can ride it too man i'm like i'm 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 sending i'm sending every amount of energy that i have out into the universe so that you guys have the ability to get some of that and because if i could share this i would man i could i wish i could bottle it up and share it i love it and that's it right went to the old barn taxidermy i'm getting ready like i'm i'm i got the skull cap here i'm looking at it uh, i'm trying to th i'm thinking full sneak right turn right now um there's a chance that i changed my mind but I, I don't like to go into the taxidermist and be like yeah i want this right now because i had to go look at my other mounts i gotta see do i need a full sneak do i need a semi sneak uh, do i need a semi upright what's the deal here and so i wanted to make sure i had uh 
put some thought in before I said. Uh, Old Barn also does deer processing, so that's where I'm getting my deer processed as well. And then I'm going to take some of the ground meat to another uh, processor and get hot dogs made for the kids. They're, they'll love that. So uh, other than that, like, great season. I saw some great deer, some really mature bucks, had some encounters with some excellent deer, and uh, and had fun. Right. It was it was intense at first, but then when I started to relax and go through the process and it was absolutely amazing and I, I loved every minute of it. So um, huge shout out to all of you for all the good vibes you sent for following along, not only on the podcast here, but on Instagram. Huge shout out to Tethered, Wasp, Vortex, Code Blue, Woodman's Pal, Huntworth and full sneak gear please go out and support the companies that support this podcast and last but not least guys safety harnesses right wear your damn safety harnesses luckily knock on wood this year i haven't heard any messages from anybody about falling out of a tree stand knock on wood i haven't heard it yet and so wear your damn safety harness good vibes in good vibes out And we will talk to you next time.